Hi there, welcome to podcast number four. This is the lovely Luna, our marketing officer, and she hasn't had the honour of being on a podcast yet, so really excited to have you on board. Thank you, thank you. I'm just behind the scenes normally. Yeah, making the brand. She's the woman behind the brand of Achieve More Scotland. <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> and we are going to be discussing things that are important to us personally and professionally but also equally just supporting to the charity in terms of what we are doing with young girls and young women who use our services it's part of our empowerment program and uh, we went to a really exciting event yesterday uh, which was the national advisory council for women and girls um, and that is an advisory council that was put together um, for basically for Scotland to, to look ahead and think about what they want to do um, in trying to bring equality for girls and women, whether that is in the workplace, whether that's in relation to the criminal justice system, or if that's in relation to health and well-being in general. Um, so the recommendations were yesterday, and that's been put forward to the First Minister, and she has now um, said that she will go with all of those recommendations. So we kind of want to start with that, and then potentially that's going to lead into a wee bit more, isn't it? Yeah, before we start... Uh, this is a very hot topic, feminism and the role of female in society. And we know at the moment there's a lot of controversy and ideas and opinions, so we ask you please be respectful in the comment section if you de decide to leave a comment on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And this can be, you know, an open conversation. This is not rights or wrongs. Uh, this is just our perspective from our work point of view and what we think is very important for our young girls and for the next generation to face... Um, in a more powerful way, uh, but yeah, let's just have an open chat. Yeah, awesome. Because <laughs> I think the big thing for, and we talk about this as well in the office, the big thing for the girls that we work with, and young women, sorry, I don't want to keep saying girls and young women, because the ages are anything from 13 all the way to 25, mm -hmm. um, and one of the big things that came out of us starting this empowerment program was the fact that they had said through discussions and sessions that they didn't have role models. You know, they value potentially the women in their lives, like their mums, their grands, those that looked after them, supported them, but actually to have a role model that they feel they could connect with and could support them in their career or their mental health. Um, and that was one of the reasons why we kind of did the empowerment stuff. But one thing that's been quite interesting whilst we've been doing the empowerment is how do we as a charity support role models? How do we support the girls to, to feel that they have role models that can support them in their careers and can support them with their whole suite of activities? And that's something that we're still trying to, to work with the girls on. And yesterday was really interesting because it came up in this question about leadership mm -hmm. in communities. Yeah. And it made me think about what kind of leaders have we got in the communities that we work in there are women that could support these girls as well. This is a big, big challenge because at the end of the day, uh, you decide your goals or where you're going to head to on the basis of what you think you're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's very important that our young girls always think they're capable of everything, that they can achieve whatever they want. But that's not so simple just because you say, well, you can do wherever. They're not going to yeah. start dreaming about uh, big 
I don't know, entrepreneurship or, or something more challenging if around them everyone is telling them, well, this is the best you can achieve. Yeah. So role models and leadership is very, very important. I think in Scotland, you're lucky enough to have a prime minister, a minister, no? Yeah, yeah first, a minister. first minister that is a female. And that's an oddity in mm. most countries and most contexts, but that's not enough because that's not close to the lives that our young women live anyway. Yeah. And they don't feel they can relate as much. That's why those leadership within the community are so important. Yeah, and it is right. I mean, she's, you know, First Minister's the one kind of leading on these recommendations. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the leadership is what happens if SNP don't get in in the next market, yeah, sorry, the next market, the next, the next vote we then go back to almost square one because it depends on who, yeah. whoever the first minister is might not want to push this forward. So it is exciting because it's kind of starting to drill down a little bit. But the other side of that is she's, you know, steerheading this inclusive environment. You know, she's changed the board recommendations for, for women to be holding board member positions um, in the private and public sector. She's changed how potentially young girls see themselves in the political sphere yeah you know that there's a big push just now to try and get more girls to think about being a politician yeah absolutely or being at different levels of the political activity yeah more activism as well mm-hmm. because a lot of our young girls have uh, very strong opinions and ideas of how their community should be shaped and for that to actually put into place they need to be part of the conversation and that's not so simple that there's a a gap between those uh, steps that is difficult to jump yeah, and I think you're right in saying that this is one of the big discussions that came out of yesterday at this this event, and I, we had a really exciting table because we had women that had been in the third sector then turned into civil servants and were helping the gender uh, pay gap as mm-hmm. well, um, and we had some women that worked for local authorities and were now spearheading like working groups in government, and um, particularly with. Uh, domestic abuse for girls and young women mm-hmm. um, and then we had our couple of our empowerment girls fair enough I think they were quite taken aback with it but they were like Carla what's happening so just absorb all this information because I think it's so important for them to understand you know in 15 years time they could be sitting in an event like that as well yeah, and representing the girls that they work you know that they are sort of alongside just now and the services that we, we do but when we were thinking about it, one of the things that we said that hadn't really come up in these recommendations, and it is good to challenge, because you know we are a third sector organisation, we need to challenge these things, because these things have become the norm, is there wasn't a big discussion about everything else you know, that goes on in these young girls' lives. Yeah. You know, there are concepts of poverty throughout their entire lives. There's concepts, sadly, of abuse, of mental yeah. health, um, that doesn't necessarily get picked up and it's for third sector organisations like us to create programmes to give them that space that they feel they can get the support that they need and we can represent them on national things like this. Yeah, I think it's very important because when it comes to poverty and the people that we work with sometimes, um, you can't tackle it with one perspective. You have to approach it with many weapons Mm -hmm. and and understand all the sides of this complex issue. And it's true that uh, young women, unfortunately, in the private areas are at higher risk of a lot of uh, things like abuse. And, And this is something that just because someone is at higher risk, it doesn't necessarily mean immediately that they're gonna fall into that, but you need to be aware of that and what are the signs and how you can help um 
from a very very early age and this is very complicated i was actually reading recently uh, lowborn by Kerry mm -hmm. Hudson, and she talks a little bit about these statistics and why for her as a woman who grew up in poverty and now lives a more middle class life uh, was so important to write this book for women. Mm. So they see that yes, they had the worst odds, but they also have a chance to get out of there and do something better and try to, you know, one of the things that she mentions is even like I had the highest risk to end up being obese and all the consequences that comes from that mm. and not being in that situation feels so powerful you know like yeah. well I avoided it um, but it, not everyone is as lucky and not everyone has the same chances as yeah. that's where uh, the third sector needs to be very very aware and very cautious and being always there you know yeah. like for those young women yeah and I think one campaign that really pushed people to realize girls and women that live in poverty what they have to go through was the period poverty campaign yeah this idea that you know a simple thing from even just putting sanitary products in toilets without realizing the cost implication that actually has for, for girls and young women i mean even thinking about how expensive things have become in the last like 10 years yeah. for, for me you know even it going up every year by like 60p a pound or you know there's all these different types and they're more expensive than mm -hmm. the other range and I think that really made people realize okay we are we have been discriminating against girls and young women that live in, that live in poverty because they haven't been able to afford yeah absolutely these materials for something that is a fundamental human right at the end of the day yeah and it, and it was a fantastic campaign in the sense that it just worked on multiple levels it wasn't just about bringing the pads or the tampons into schools. Yeah. It was also about raising awareness and making people understand that it's not fair and that many women miss school because at that yeah. vulnerable time, you don't want to be, you know, like dirty or like yeah. staining in the middle of a class. And that fear can stop you from education. Yeah. That is tremendous. Yeah. Like that is terrible. Obviously done with the girls and Empower Me is we, you know, we have them in our office. We've got them in the toilets, the female toilets. The other thing as well is we've, we've provided them with, you know, um, materials if they needed them. And one of the things that it, they've said is, oh, this, is this not a bit weird? You're handing them out to us in dance classes. Well, no, it's not weird because, mm -hmm. like, where, how else would you get them? Oh, I usually, like, do it really late at night when there's nobody about, like, I go to the shop. Because <laughs> so, we're all there for each other. Come on, let's just all just have a, a chat about it's okay to go in and buy a pint of milk and a pads <laughs> and tampons. It's like for them, I get it. It's you know, if you're 15, 16, that is quite a, and even if you're even younger, you know, if you're 12 or 13, you do come prepared, that is quite an embarrassing thing. If your mum or your auntie or your grand isn't there with you, you know, you don't, they don't yeah. come with you there and then. But one of the things that they were talking about when we did the um, the little photo shoot and we were giving them out and we said, just shove them in your bag, take them all, um, is a lot of them started to have a conversation about how they support each other with talking about their periods. And then out with that was just bigger conversations about them saying, oh, we don't really talk about that, that stuff to each <laughs> other, but we probably should. Because I was so openly talking about it with yeah. each other, with them, and saying, these are my experiences. They were like, oh... Oh, Carla, that's a bit weird. And then after a while, they're like, actually, no, it wasn't weird because that's kind of what we should be doing, shouldn't we? And it's like, well, you should. It's not that you shouldn't be doing it. You should have people, other girls and young women around you that you feel support you. Yeah. In and in, in the decisions and conversations that are uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, 
obviously from our perspective we're already 30 it's much easier to talk about our periods if i'm yeah. having a bad period day i can just say it and i don't feel uncomfortable it's just what it is uh it's the same if someone comes and says well, i'm having really bad allergy i wouldn't be like oh my gosh don't talk about that it's <laughs> nothing is horrible uh but remembering the times when i was 10, 11, 12, or my first period and how ashamed I was of having my first yeah. period and what all that meant. It just makes you aware that life hasn't changed as much, unfortunately, yeah. in the last uh, two decades. There's a really interesting uh, open discussion, just if you want to see, by Hannah Witten, uh, where she talks about periods with people with disabilities yeah. and the importance of all of them to be able to speak up and explain, well, these are my challenges. Mm -hmm. You have others, you know, or like non-binary people talking about their periods and the dysphoria around that and contraception, etc. And how that, you know, a lot of them had really difficult periods mm -hmm. and how contraception wasn't like related to sex. It was just related to yeah. safety and health. And the fact that we put that taboo on that, it's just yeah. scary. And for young girls who need that access and that, you know, be yeah. able to speak up is so important. Yeah, and I think that's what's been really great so far about the empowerment. You know, we have these girls that, you know, there's a cohort of about 30 of them and they get involved in different things at different stages. Mm -hmm. But we all have a Facebook group and a WhatsApp group and we're constantly talking about things. And, you know, being with a couple of them yesterday as well, you know, they choose when they want to get involved. But as a youth worker, it still is really, there's nothing like that feeling that they keep coming back. That yeah. You know you're making a difference in some aspect to a young person's life. And with the girls, the empowerment program, what's been really great is we have created an environment for them that they can come and talk about things. You know, we've had uh, the Rosie Project come in, which, you know, if you get the chance, I would really, really um, ask people to go and check them out. They're a small uh, activist organisation and they come in and they talk about, not just to females, but to males as well, because it is, you know, both have to come together um, to make these, even these recommendations work, because to have the two genders or all genders together. And uh, we talked about pornography, the impact that has on relationships, we talked about sexual health, we talked about mental health, we talked about the impact that social media and magazines are having on, on yeah. them. And the conversations were fantastic in terms of them having a, a reflection period to realise that they they really let all that stuff get to them and they let it create this sort of like dark cloud around them. Mm -hmm. And then they, they have this dark cloud and they don't really know how to get out of it. And if it wasn't for a youth service like Achieve More, I don't really know if they would really be able to get out of the dark cloud of pressure, social pressure that they feel. And it makes you think about all the girls and young women that don't have access to other yeah. services, that aren't getting that relief and that sort of time to talk about things and, and let it all out. Yeah, I feel like sometimes there is, when, when it comes to these topics, there is a lot of pressure on schools to create mm. those spaces. But schools can't reach everything. Uh, sometimes they can, sometimes they cannot. Yeah. There is so many kids and so many young people there and each of them had their own issues and their own challenges and they still need to deliver a curricular you know they still need to teach them things that go into a test and that help them get to, to get to uni etc and it's very difficult for them to create those safe spaces i think that's why the third sector needs to have a higher responsibility in that sense especially if you're working with kids or young people because 
Of course, it is not in our contract, but it's still our responsibility. We are dealing with these people every single day, and it's not just a safe space to practice sports. It needs to be beyond that. Yeah, and like yeah, it just goes back to that, that responsibility, but also the accountability. Yeah, absolutely. As an organization, you know, the we one thing you know we had the dance show, uh, dance competition that Kira and her team put together, and it was my first one of being with Chiefmore, and it was just amazing. I didn't it want to go amazing. and stay for the whole the whole time. <laughs> And one of the things that really got to me, and I think, you know, if, if anyone's been with the organisation for more than a certain period, it's quite an overwhelming feeling to realise that these, these 17, 18 year olds that are dancing have been coming for 10 years. And for young, to see, as youth workers and all the staff, to see the young girls grow into young women, to then see them become confident and know what they want. I start to automatically think, oh my gosh, right, okay, I need to get them in because I want to talk about how their activism, <laughs> what they, what kind of community leaders are they going to become. Okay, I see something in them, and then to the point where they're just like, Carla, you're actually really kind of getting to me a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, just, you know, here's some articles, here's some YouTube channels, you should read that, you should do this. And then, then they get back to me and say, I was thinking about maybe applying for this fund because I want to start a cooking class. Oh. It's like, yes. <laughs> you know, like, and it makes you think about this full circle of having leaders and representatives that are women that make younger girls look at things very differently. And you don't realise that until you're in a position like this yes. as a woman. And we talk about this as well, that you realise you actually have a responsibility. Absolutely. But it's also true that for us, I didn't grow up with that kind of role model. Mm -hmm. Like I had it within my family, but not in my school. 90% of my teachers at uni were males. Yeah. So I, I didn't have that person that I could approach and say, like, how did you get a career? How did you do this? Like, or, you know, any kind of question about anything. It was very difficult to express. And I was a boy kind of girl. Yeah, <laughs> so obviously it was even more hard because all my friends were boys and everyone had this mentality that when you're a boy, you shut up. Yeah. And that's what you do. So yeah. I grew up with that same mentality. And now being in the position I am and sometimes being able to talk with the girls and just talk with them about anything, but especially about social media, I just I just feel like, yes, I wish I would have had that, you know? Yeah. Because I was navigating social media in the generation that our parents didn't know anything. Yeah. Now parents know. Many of them are on social media. But... My generation didn't have that, so we were alone yeah. navigating something that was actually potentially quite dangerous. Yeah, totally. totally. And, and it's something that, yeah, I'm very thankful to be able to give an input and also to minimize the impact of the consequences in the decisions that they take. Because sometimes when you're 18 and you make a wrong decision online, it seems like a massive universe that is falling onto your shoulders, mm. but actually it can be manageable and it yeah. doesn't need to be as hard. And yeah, it's just, it's just it's so interesting to be in this position. I think the social media thing, <clears throat> it's one of those things that I don't have, I like have a Twitter account mainly because you forced me to get one, <laughs> um, but I don't actually use it at all. I literally just scan through everything else. But even I, you know, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, I hardly use my Facebook. I keep it to keep in touch with people from all over. I have a work one, which I use to keep in touch with young people. 
and Instagram, which I use quite a lot, but I prefer to like follow a lot and watch people a lot. That stresses me out <laughs> to the point where I have to switch my phone off sometimes. And I have weekends without any social media. I'm going on holiday soon. I'm really looking forward to literally having nothing. I'm going to do what you did. I'm going to go cold. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, call you when I get back. But if I, as a confident and I feel empowered woman, feels that stressed out about social media, I know probably a fraction of what young girls are going through just now because they yeah. have they don't just have one account on Instagram they have like three accounts on Instagram and we know it's a safety issue you know the child safety comes on a little bit and you think god right okay we need to maybe start speaking to them a little bit about the danger of having three or four different personas online what kind of people are you going to attract but the other side of that is they're going to think that that's totally normal yeah and then they're still sitting exams they're still trying to figure life out they're battling the joys of like relationships and girlfriends yeah. and boyfriends and finding out their sexuality. And then they've got like five forms of social media. It's stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, we need to take up some yoga. And we are <laughs> going to start doing yoga with the Empowerment Girls because that's something they want to do. And we're starting that in September. But my God, like, I just can't imagine what that feels like. I think it's, it's a, a little bit of everything. On the one hand, you have, first of all, you and I, when we finished school, we went home and we were us, alone, yeah. individuals, yeah. just probably not even having family time because as a teenager, you're angsty yeah. and stupid, so you don't want to be with yeah. your family. <laughs> but you're yourself and you're discovering what things you like, you're doing your homework in your own way, you're listening to music, you're doing things by yourself. Our young people don't have that. They never disconnect from their social yeah. environments because they go home and they're still in social media connected to everyone that they yeah. have been seeing the entire day. Which can be great if you have a great support group, but it can be awful if your group of friends are terrible. Yeah. And we all have had terrible friends. I yeah. think that is uh, part of your growing yeah. <laughs> pains. Um, and it's really difficult to know when to shut down someone, when to shut down the social medias, what channels should be open and what channels shouldn't. Yeah. I feel particularly anxious about the Snapchat, even though I work on social media. Yeah. The whole thing about being able to see people in live location constantly, that scares oh, me. Yeah. And, and it's complicated because at the same time, as a social media marketing person, I see the goods and I see the potential and I see that if you know how to create your own social media and your own content, you can feel 10 times more empowered, 10 times more creative. Like, for instance, there is all these women of all kinds of sizes posting pictures on bikinis, being unapologetically themselves. And to me, that is amazing. And every time I watch one of those pictures, I'm like, yes, girl. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's easy to fall into the opposite path. Yeah. And there needs to be a conscious decision. And it's very difficult when you're 16 because yeah. you think certain things yeah. are demanded from you yeah. uh, when all your girlfriends are posting certain kinds of pictures. And maybe you don't feel so comfortable sharing that kind of picture. You know what I mean? So it is a very complicated topic yeah. and conversation. And I feel like there is extra pressure on females than males. Not saying that males don't have their own, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lot. Because they do. There's a lot of guys working out. And there's the pressure of the hustle. And the romanticization of yeah. being this macho man. And yeah. it's really complicated. But it's true that when it comes to females, pressure on body image is 10 times higher. And social media definitely affects that. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, if you have, I can't imagine 
being young now. I would, honestly, I would have not have liked to be a teenager no. now. I don't think I would have coped. Being a teenager was hard enough anyway. I was bullied extremely horrifically at school. I went to a born school, so you obviously were around them all the time. Your bullies, you shared a room with them. Mm. It was it was awful. And I can't imagine having a social media dimension on it as well. And the girls that we chat to, obviously we are going to have another podcast after this and it's going to be the, the girls that are involved in the empowerment programme talking about it. Um, and some of the stories that they say, even like private messages that they get from guys or other girls when they put something up, is horrible. You know, some of them sometimes aren't very nice and they're personal. And then they have to go to school with that person. Yeah. It's a different kind of bullying, but it's also, from a youth service perspective, you're like, okay, we need to get on top of this now because we have a duty, it goes back to this response, but we have a duty to support and protect them because the world evolves around social media now and they need, you can't say, okay, let's take your phones away, let's get rid of it because that's, that's the world now. Yeah. It's such an integral part of the world, but we can give them the respite. And we did this empowerment residential in October and we're doing another one again and we'll hopefully have two next year. First thing that came out of the evaluation was love not having my phone. <laughs> love just getting like dirty and not having to take a selfie. That was what some of them said and they, they had a week without anything and yet, I mean, the pressure of everything, the week after they were back on their phones and they were, you know, taking yeah. nice pictures that wasn't really their true selves. Yeah. And that respite is something that like youth services are gonna have to start adapting a wee bit more to because it's such a a minefield out there that we're gonna have to give this particularly give the girls and boys that are part of our services that respite. Yeah, absolutely. For for moving forward. Yeah, and I think it's complicated for them as well because it's not they don't want to be online, it's that not being online means something bigger than for you and me. Yeah. Um I do also panic sometimes about not being online. Like, mm. oh, what if, what if my boss needs me something to do? You know, it, there is an element of anxiousness around not being part of that conversation mm. and missing out and what my friends are doing and why am I not there, etc. Yeah. Especially when you don't have a particularly special thing to do. Like, our girls have dance. So they go to dance and they might be on their phones but they're dancing. You know, and they drop their phones and then they do their choreography. But if you're a young girl that is not involved in anything, you're right home. What are you going to do? Yeah. You're just on your phone. And it's completely normalized. And nobody is like, you know, putting barriers. And she's not going to be like, well, I'm not going to drop my phone to do nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to drop my conversations, my friends, my everything just to do nothing so that's why i think sometimes it's important as you say for us to propose that kind of a space where they don't have to be on their phones and they don't have to be um you know the performative self they can be just themselves yeah and i mean back in the day say back in the day when we were younger it was like aol dial-up so you could only go on msn messenger if your mum and dad or your gran weren't on the phone and if they weren't on the phone, then you'd be like, get off the phone. <laughs> and then you'd have to wait for the AOL. I like didn't, I didn't even have that. They're like, this is crazy. I'm that old. I didn't even have that. So my first online connection was 12. Mm-hmm. And it was in a cyber cafe. 
And all my friends and I would go as a group, like seven of us, could go into this cafe, pay one euro. Even cyber cafe. <laughs> We're going to have to put like an ethnosaurus explanation underneath. Yeah. What's a cyber cafe? So with What's computers. A it, it, it's also a very open concept because it was for children. So there were yeah. no, coffee, no coffee involved. Yeah. <laughs> there were no cafe. There was only like computers. But the thing is like, this is what you used to do. And I think it's terrible we would enter on uh chats random chats oh god right. and make up identities and talk with random strangers for half an hour for mm-hmm. the laugh just for the lols yeah. we would just sit there with a fake identity my best friend and i and we would say like oh yeah we are 19 and we live in romania and everything would be a lie and i don't even know why we did that we just thought it was funny and that shows you how little knowledge we had of what we were doing. Yeah. Obviously, we never talked with that people again. It was like five-minute conversation. Mm. You close it. There's no consequences. But I think, like, social media has evolved so much. Because now it's the opposite. It's about, you know, the ego and the personality thing. Yeah. And it's so complicated. But it's completely different. Yeah. So there's We can put... I can't remember the names, I'm not going to name drop, but I do follow a couple of women on Instagram, and we can put them under on the comments. One of them is called Lizzo, she's like an American rapper, oh, yeah. she's amazing. Um, and then the other is Bodicea, don't know if you follow her. Um, I don't know. She, uh, she used to have an eating disorder when she was younger, and then like, to the point where she was told that she would be in tubes for the rest of her life if she didn't change. And she, it was the social pressure she felt. I think she's about 25, 26. Mm-hmm. And then now she's just a healthy body weight and she's a size 12, 14. Um, and she changes her hair and her colour and she's so colourful. And she's got a really f- a big following on Instagram. And every day she just puts a picture of her in her pants and knickers. Oh. And she's got, like, what you don't expect for her when she's got the roll, she's got the natural fat, she's got everything. And she's just fabulous. And she's so confident. And she does a little dance every morning. So she puts her... Oh, Instagram yeah, I think I know on. who you mean. Yeah, she's amazing. Purple hair? Yeah, purple hair. She's <laughs> I love so her. good. And she is really, really honest about that this thing here, this little roll here is totally fine. It's okay. You have fat days, you have good days, you have... It's all up in here and it's how you feel as an individual. Yes. Um, and I never used to like all that stuff. I used to think, God, like, it's throwing your face too cheesy for me. Doesn't, like, doesn't respond to who I am. It's a bit much for me. And then she came along and I seen her on a magazine and I started to follow her. I just love the way she talks about it and her outlook and the fact that she's not scared and yeah. her boyfriend comes on as well, a partner comes on and he's an athletic fella that rock climbs <laughs> and he, you know, he says from a male's perspective, we really don't care. You get to an age where we want fun, we want personality, we want somebody that is, you know, is happy with themselves. Yeah, confidence is the sexiest element of a person. Yeah. I feel like um, the one that I follow and I really like is Sonny Turner, I think that's her name. She's a model. She's very young, actually, but she's getting a degree in law at the same time that she's an Instagrammer and a model. And for wow. me, there's something so powerful in the way that she does it. She is plus size, but to be, she has an amazing body. Like, uh-huh. It's one of those things that society just put you in a box. Um, and recently she has been part of campaigns with Primark and I've been just so happy to see a woman that actually to me looks pretty normal but she doesn't say it um, just wearing normal clothes having fun smiling showing like you know all kinds of 
normal things. I don't know. I just find it really, really fun and interesting. I don't know. I, I feel like that's the power of the internet when you can see that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you you have the other parts, of course. But yeah. <laughs> And thinking about, you know, I'm just thinking about things that came up yesterday and as part of, you know, these recommendations is the idea of all of this now is that they move forward and it's a catalyst for changing how girls see themselves in the future. Do you think that in Glasgow, say, or even the west of Scotland, or in Scotland in general, do you think there is enough being done to make girls and young women feel that they can be the leaders of tomorrow? No, absolutely not. I, th- I think this is a big problem because um, as much as we want to say that the feminist challenge um, will be solved by women, it will be solved by all of us. Mm-hmm. And men are still gatekeepers. Of power mm. and they need to open those and there needs to be actual action it cannot be like oh we have five women so we are fine in our ratio mm. it's like no that's not how it works and it cannot be a token thing it cannot be a oh let's all be nice let's not be put a picture of just yeah. guys in in a meeting room yeah. it needs to be a bigger thing than that and it cannot be it cannot be a decision that you make it needs to be priority basically yeah because it's too late already <laughs> no, no, I, do. I, t- I totally agree that it is it is too late and it's taking people you know like a first minister who's a woman to come in and bring these these women together from all walks of life to create this advisory group to then go out to people like us and yeah. go to these events and and hear from them their views and then put that into these recommendations you know, this isn't just, okay, here's some recommendations. We went to the one in Dundee. We fed back about how um, girls and young women in our communities that we work in, who are classed as living in deprivation, how they view themselves as being leaders. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that's going to happen overnight. No. It's a thing that's going to take a very long time, particularly when you're working in communities that are dealing with so many other issues and trying to bring it all together for it to form one program you know they're, they're to me and I brought this up yesterday to me there still is no one program that is bringing girls and young women together to make them feel that they can be the leaders of tomorrow yeah and the work that we're obviously doing with Nike is potentially the start of that and yeah Caroline who we hope we'll have on a podcast soon she's amazing she her passion you know she's an ambassador a woman ambassador for Nike she is so passionate about getting girls to realize their potential and she's got some stories where she's faced challenges with men you know in boardrooms and and had conversations being like okay you can't really say that because (laughs) just because i'm a woman you can't really bring up emotions because it's not emotions you deal with it differently i deal with it differently humans are different we deal with things differently due to life experiences um, and one of the things with the girls that we work with, I openly say there's there's a select, I'd probably say out of the 30, there's about four or five that are most definitely untapped potential for their communities. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is, is, is tell them that they need to kind of potentially move out with and, and can engage a little bit in activism because... They're, they're the ones that are going to make the change in the future. Yeah, I feel like 
at the end of the day, whether people want it or not, society is going to change in the next 10 years more and more mm. and more into a more equal society. The problem is that this shouldn't be a battle. This shouldn't be a fight. There yeah. should be open doors for women to access uh, powerful positions, to be able to raise their voice and to, you know, shape policy, shape culture, shape politics mm. uh, with a wider perspective. It is shameful to see all those politicians where 70, 80% sometimes even it's male. Mm. Like, how is that even possible? You can't tell me that you are more skilled than a female mm. when females don't have access to those skills. Yeah. And this is about breaking the entire circle uh, or breaking the wheel like in yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is about, it's, it's about empowering every single level so everyone can have the same access to education, so everyone can actually reach those positions mm -hmm. so everyone can be reliable in any situation yeah. and being able to respond just because you were born male and obviously it doesn't come so easy to you to understand mm -hmm. that you're not entitled yeah. to judge a woman negatively just for being female and all of these things is a long work in progress i'm very optimistic when i see these programs because i can see how it's not just a trending topic it's not just a twitter feed thing it is much more than that. Um, I don't know. There's so many women in Scotland that are so powerful, like Jackie yeah. Kay and Ali Smith. And, yeah. and it's like, of course, we need our space. Of course, we need to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things out of yesterday, which was really interesting, is you know the topic was policy coherence mm -hmm. and how we are creating this policy for the next 10, 15 years, and actually how there, there really is, the data out there is showing that there isn't a lot of women making their way to impact policy in the future. Therefore, women aren't directly or indirectly benefiting as much as men from policies mm -hmm. in the future. Um, and one thing that was really interesting from yesterday was that they're doing a big push, for example, in local and national government mm -hmm. to have women come through the programs and to be employed in local and national government because they have an exceptional amount of men yeah. and they're really struggling to, to bring girls and, and women into the programs. And it made me start to think that going back a bit in education, if you're not a confident young woman at school, but you have a passion to change something, you then potentially go out of school, you maybe volunteer, you maybe do this award, Saltai, Duke of Edinburgh, but it takes you to meet another girl or another woman for you to do it, like to, to make yeah. a change and be an activist. And I would say that's how potentially I got to where I am now because I met a woman in, <clears throat> in terms of you know leaving school, went for a year out, didn't really know what I was doing with myself, then I went to uni and I started to get involved in different activist programs and started to get involved in lots of things in regards to political activity. And I was like, yeah, I really like this, but I don't really have the confidence to do it. I'm not really sure. And then someone said, you know, why don't you just come with me and I'll shadow, you can shadow me. And she was leading on the political front for um, a campaign in the uni at the time. And I said, yeah, I'm going to take a lot from her. And then I ran for president, got elected as president. And that was my first ever sort of experience of being... I remember sitting with the other president candidates in an auditorium and they were all men, there hadn't been a woman for a while 
and I was getting there was people generally wanting to not wanting me to become president yeah. so it was very much I feel like I'm in the episode of West Wing I feel like <laughs> say president but just like an elected candidate and there was people generally asking me questions that wanted to see me fall because they knew I wasn't necessarily confident enough to answer them I didn't have the political knowledge to answer them mm-hmm. and I thought right okay well I'm just gonna try and answer this as honestly as possible and that's what I went into every single um you know hustings with and then got the position and then I in that year became very confident who I am as a, a woman and as a leader and I was like yeah I definitely could do this and that's always what I've said to myself no matter whatever position I go in I have a very big passion to tell girls and young women that they can be leaders yeah absolutely tomorrow. I yeah it, it that's exactly it like if you have someone that approaches to you and helps you through the path and opens that vision to a future that is different that's where you start thinking like why not mm-hmm. and why i cannot have those skills like you and i are not special people we're no. not superheroes we're normal no. girls who yeah. grew up in normal environments yeah. who had their own challenges you talk about your bullying i know mm-hmm. myself i also had to face a lot of like criticism when i was younger because i was a nerd yeah. and <laughs> it wasn't bullying but it was it was a lot of pressure from my peers to be how they were yeah to not be me to be something else yeah. and and still we got here you know so obviously there is a chance for um many many other people to do the same and of course for our youngers to do the same yeah yeah and um we're having to to round it up um in a couple of minutes but i think i mean we could talk about this for hours but I am, <laughs> you know we talk about it with the girls empowerment girls we've obviously never done it through a podcast so the next podcast will be bringing up these yes. topics with the girls um and you know i won't be saying much i'll just be there to kind of push them for a conversation <laughs> Um, but I think for us moving forward, you know, there's a couple of things that we definitely are going to be doing, and that is making sure that the girls and young women who use our services, you know, regardless of what they go through in life, that we're there to support them and empower them to to be who they want to be, and allowing them to to realise their potential. That's the other thing. Realising their potential is such a big thing. I think if we get anything of the empowerment program, Achieve More Scotland wants to make sure that we've at least got one woman maybe in going for a political campaign in 10 years time <laughs> that's I'm the goal <laughs> that's the target <laughs> definitely I think uh, next podcast is probably going to be even more interesting because their voices are so interesting and so diverse as well they have such a variety of paths of life and the way that they see and care about things are so different so I'm looking yeah. forward to that fab but thank you very much no, thank you <laughs> thank you for joining us and hope you look forward to the fifth podcast that will be with the empowerment girls and myself thank you bye